What is up, my dudes? Welcome back to yet another episode of Olympia Oddities. It's been a while since I've covered a Canadian cryptid, so let's take a trip up north today. Was it possible for a large dinosaur-like creature to survive and thrive in the below freezing temperatures of the Yukon? Let's dig into the story of the Partridge Creek monster and find out. The Partridge Creek monster was first spotted near Partridge Creek in Canada in 1903. Two men, James Butler and Tom Lemore, were out moose hunting when they came upon an unusual scene. They'd been at the top of a hill, hidden in the brush, observing three large moose down the hill from them. There was a small watering hole that the moose had gathered around. The moose had been quietly eating the brush and slowly moving along, when suddenly, all three of the moose bounded forward in fright. One of the bull moose let out a bellow like it had been hurt, dying, or at least scared to death. All three took off at a mad gallop into the trees. The two men decided to walk down to the area that the moose had been spooked from. When they arrived, they spotted the imprint of some incredibly large creature in the mud. The impression left by its belly was more than 2 feet deep, 30 feet long, and 12 feet wide. Four gigantic footprints had also been left by whatever this mysterious creature was. The men described these footprints as five feet long by two and a half feet wide. The claw marks were also allegedly more than a foot long. They observed a print made by the creature's tail. This imprint was 10 feet long and 16 inches wide. They noticed some of the footprints were leading away from the watering hole, and the men decided to follow them for five or six miles. The track suddenly stopped as they entered the ravine at Partridge Creek. The men returned to town, stopping at a trading post on Armstrong Creek. James Butler had agreed earlier to meet a man named George Dupey so they could go on a hunting trip together. They'd been friends for years, and this was a normal occurrence for them. Once the men arrived, they explained the story of what they had seen to George. He was originally very skeptical of the tale that the men were telling him, but they were adamant about what they had seen. They came up with the idea to assemble a posse to go out in search of the creature. The posse included both the hunters, George Dupey, a reverend named Pierre Lavano, and a couple of First Nations guides. They searched the area all day with no luck. They'd searched the valley near the river, the flats of Partridge Creek, and into the snow-covered mountains, but still found no trace of the mysterious creature. Evening was approaching, and the men were exhausted from their search efforts, so they set up camp for the night at the top of a ravine that they had just made their way up. They started a fire and started making some tea. The tea had just finished, and everyone was about to help themselves to a cup when a huge, ear-piercing roar shook the camp. The men looked over and spotted a huge black creature slowly coming down the opposite side of the ravine. Some unidentified animal was held in its chomping jaws, and it dislodged huge boulders on its way down the steep incline. The creature's mouth dripped with blood. The men tried to scream out in fright, but were unable to make any sound. They were too afraid. They grabbed each other's arms out of reflex. The sight of such a monstrous beast appearing caused Pierre Lavineau to explain, The dinosaurs! It is the dinosaurs of the Arctic Circle! The creature was black and resembled a carnivorous dinosaur. The men claimed the length of its body had to be at least 50 feet. The withers of the animal towered 18 feet high into the sky. The height of the creature was like that of a wild boar, covered with coarse, wiry hair. The animal's stomach was mud-splattered. The creature came to a stop about 20 paces away from the men. It laid down on its stomach and stared up at the sun, which was casting an eerie red lighting upon the scene. The creature rested there for about 10 minutes, leaving the men to stare at it and try to comprehend what they were seeing. The giant lizard turned its neck towards the men, but didn't appear to notice them. 
It chomped down on its meal again, and the men heard the crunching of bones. Suddenly, the creature leaned back onto its hind legs, let out a god-awful roar, and bounded down uh, the ravine with movement like that of a kangaroo. When they returned to town, no one believed the story of what they had seen. The Dawson Daily Nugget published an article about George that was equal parts glorifying and condescending, comparing him to Edgar Allan Poe. Sightings of the monster had died down for a few years, but in 1907, George Dupuy received a letter that would urge him to write a story about what the men had seen that day. The letter arrived to him in Paris on January 24th. In the letter, Father Lavano claimed that he had seen the creature again. He'd been in the same area that the creature had been spotted in as the last sighting. It was Christmas Eve, and he explained that it had run across the surface of a frozen river, carrying a caribou in its jaws. Using the imprints left in the snow, they estimated the size to be about the same as the first creature's, and assumed that it was probably the same one. George Dupuy wrote a story detailing what he had seen, as well as the second sighting by Lovena. The story was titled The Monster of Partridge Creek, and was published in a French magazine, as well as The Strand magazine. This story was one of my main sources for this episode. No sightings have been recorded of the creature since the 1907 sighting. No eggs, nests, or dead creatures have been found either. While Arctic dinosaurs are such a fun idea, they're incredibly unlikely. The weather is much too cold for them to survive. The men's accounts also describe tails leaving imprints from dragging on the ground, while dinosaurs carried their tails off of the ground. While some cryptozoology sources take up the story as the truth, the tale was most likely made up. A comic artist named Stephen R. Bazette once called the story one slice of great northern Yukon territory fiction, and described it as one of the first western paleontology fiction tales. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. If you want to support the podcast, leave me a positive review, tell a friend, or follow the Instagram or Facebook for the podcast at Olympia Oddities Podcast. Until next time, friends, and watch out for the snow dinos.